that you got the better end of the deal and that it wasn't a fair trade and we can move on. If you can admit to me that you did a better job trading than both of those people and that it wasn't a fair trade between you and Jason, I'll drop it because I agree. I love being on those end of the trades. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fantasy Football Interrupted, Season 4, Episode Number 7. This is the podcast for the every person looking for practical advice in managing your fantasy football team. And this wonderful podcast is hosted by a dynamic duo of regular dudes. I'm joined by my partner, Alex K. Alex K. and myself, J Mac. Hello, Alex. How are you? We're doing well. I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well. I don't know if you heard, I made a trade. I actually made two trades this past week. Let's talk about them. What, what was the first trade? So the first trade was sending. Hey everyone. We really get into the weeds on this controversial trade from our LA Locals League. If you care to listen about all the gory details along with the arguing and yelling and disagreement we've posted at the end of the episode. If not, just continue listening to your regularly scheduled program. All right, let's start off with a better, different fantasy talk question to really get this episode going. In Yahoo leagues, when you look at your lineup, you have specific spots. Do you put your top players in their top spots? So example, you have uh, two wide receiver slots and then you have two flex spots that wide receivers can go in. Do you psychologically have to put your number one receiver into the number one wide receiver spot or will you drop them into the flex spot and you don't care where they are as long as everybody that you want is in the game? No, you put your wide receivers in your wide receiver spot. I mean, you fill in... You fill in your two wide receivers, you fill in your two running backs, and then you leave the flex for literally anybody else that doesn't have to be a number one. It, it would be matchup based. Uh, but the two wide receivers and the two running backs should be those four people every single week, in my opinion. Right, but I'm saying, like, say you were moving players in and out and you're trying out different lineups and then you're just like, oh, I'll put... DeAndre Hopkins would be at the starting part of my wide receivers every single week. No, no, it's it's authority based. It's 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 confidence based. If you're not confident about someone, you put them in the flex spot. That way, you can put a running back in there if you're not thinking they're going to have a good game. But you would always keep your number ones in the number one spot. I do the same thing as well. So I was just curious because it it came up when I made some trades this week that I had some maneuvering around to do with my roster. No, I always purposely do that. I'll I'll make sure they're not in the flex spot. You got to make sure your uh, your studs in your stud stable. So there you go. All right, Alex. Let's move on. Let's get this episode rolling along here. Uh, we're going to get into our top five weekly position rankings. Let's see if there's been any uh, upheaval this weekend. I, I think there might be some changing around. So we're going to do just specifically week two, see who are the top players at each position for this week, week two specifically. So let's get into the quarterback position, and we're going to start at number five. I'm on it. Kyler Murray is our number five quarterback this week with 33 points. Kyler Murray is putting up the points we thought he'd put up. A big one on the next spot at number four, we have Russell Wilson, 34 points, just above Kyler Murray. He had a big week. I, I played against him in one league, and yeah, he kind of just tore me up. Moving on number three, who do we got? We got Cam Newton, who's doing great this year. A lot of running yards. I think having a lot of fun with this because he's a lot more dynamic than Brady is. He might not have the precision of Brady, but he's got a lot more range in, the, in different skill sets. So moving on to number two, 
your guy, Josh Allen, man, 39 points, man. Just beast mode again, two weeks in a row, just really lighting it up. You know, I really wish I could be happier about it, but he played the Jets in week one and Miami in week two. So we'll see how he does next week. So do you see them as contenders, at least in the East, and they'll continue this going along? Or is this just the fact of being in the AFC East? He's got two bottom feeders. That is maybe where he's going to peek out at. Yeah, I, I, I assume that he's going to peek out. I should probably try to trade him away right now, And now that you say it. But uh, this, is, this is probably the highest that he'll do in the next, like, four weeks looking at the schedule. You know, if you got a Bills fan in your legs, maybe you poke them a little bit and see if they want to get their guy on their stable. So I'd love to. Maybe I'll get Cam Newton from Jason. We'll see. Maybe I'll trade him away, whoever's the lowest person on my team. There you go. Throw, kick, trade him a kicker. Maybe, maybe that'll work. I actually have a pretty good kicker this year, so. <laughs> oh, that's a protect the kicker at all costs then. Uh, and coming in at number one, and this is the guy preseason that you and I originally first kind of bagged on. And then after we looked at the actual stats, we're like, man, we actually got to bump him up. And he is living up to the billing. Uh, Dak Prescott, again, 44 points in our rankings here. Just unbelievable. I played against him in a league, and I lost by point four points. Ooh. And that's so devastating. And I lost in Monday Night Football because of Darren Waller, of all people. My own tight end in, like, most of my leagues. I didn't get him in this league. I got Kelsey, so I didn't need him. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, Dak Prescott, so he's just lighting it up. They had a big comeback from behind victory, so I think that added to the total there, but he's still putting up the points. Really great quarterback. Uh, my guy, Lamar Jackson, not so hot this week. Just pedestrian numbers for his skill set, but hopefully we'll have a bounce-back week. Moving on, then, to the tight end position and coming in at uh, – why don't you take this list, Alex? Number five, Jordan Reed, who's normally in the concussion protocol. He's the only person in San Francisco that's not injured. Uh, so he had number five with uh, 20.5 points and only 7% rostered. So. I'm looking at that right here. He is still on the waiver wire in our league. I can't believe nobody picked him up going into this week. So I guess however long Kittle's out is Jordan Reed is looking up. I think that also answers our waiver wire question in the tight end spot for later in the episode. But number four, Darren Waller, my man, 22.3, doing what Darren Waller was supposed to do when I drafted him in the late, like, sixth round or whenever it was. Wow. I can't believe you got him sixth round. Nice pickup. Nice pickup. You're, doing, you're always doing good with your tight ends, uh, getting some good value out of them. Who's at number three? Number three is uh, Jonah, John Jonu Smith. John Jonu. John New Smith, not a Tennessee fan. Uh, Jay Smith, he got 22.4, bar barely beat Waller, uh, but Tennessee doing Tennessee things, in my opinion. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill is lighting it up again so far through two games, especially this week. He had a really good game, so all the receivers on that team are benefiting from that. Yep, number two, Mike Jacecki, Miami. Can you believe it? A Miami player, somebody's got to get some points. That's the story right there. Go ahead. Who's our number one? Number one, Higby. Tyler Higby, someone I never would have drafted. I did not think he was that highly of a tight end. But with three touchdowns off five targets, what are you going to do? Unsustainable. This is now, I think, so far the small story I'm seeing. If anybody's playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, start that tight end or go grab them off the waiver wire because this is two weeks in a row where the tight end has played pretty well against the Eagles and their linebacking crew has been awful. So that is the my tip of the week. If your team is playing the Eagles, 
grab that tight end. Good advice. I like it. Let's do a uh, defense now. You want to do top five defense? Yeah, let's get into the defense here. Let's do it. Starting off at number five, we have Chicago throwing up 12 points this week. They're rostered on around 93% of the team. So a good uh, average of what you want to get out of a defense. Uh, number four, we have Pittsburgh. That's yep. my defense doing more better this week, what I was hoping them to do. They got me 13 points, which is pretty solid. They had uh, seven sacks interception and a safety so uh, i'm getting all kinds of points this is was the reason i picked them up they get a lot of those type of uh, bonus points uh, on defense for their picks and that those types we talked about that when uh, they were like number two defense before the season started so you had to draft them early in order to get them but you yep. got them uh moving on to number three we got tampa bay kind of poking up this week they're only rostered on 50 percent of the team so they're actually open our waiver wire i mean this is one of those touch and go things i can't say yeah go grab tampa bay or not grab tampa bay i mean that's just if you're if you got a weak defense, maybe take a shot at them. But outside of that, I, I don't know what to tell you. At number two, we got Baltimore. Pretty standard. This is to be expected. Same thing, Connor, with Pittsburgh. Going to be in this top four, top five every week. Good night. There are 15 points every single week so far. Yeah. Uh, and at number one, we have Indianapolis kind of jumping up here. Only rostered on 42% of the team, but they were. Somebody in our league did have them. I actually drafted them, my, my mystery relevant. I drafted them, had them. Uh, week one and drop them for New Orleans defense. Oh, all right. I knew New Orleans shot up there and they, I don't know how they did tonight. Uh, did they? Not, not well, well, not, not well. well, not well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cause Darren Waller had a big night there. Derek Carr actually played really well. So yep, they lost. So that is the defense. Maybe Indianapolis, you can take a flyer on them or maybe Tampa Bay. If you're really hurting on defense, other than that, it's pretty steady. Okay, Alex, let's move into a little break here and let's get into the current events. And as has kind of been the modus operandi, the theme, uh, I shall say, of the current event topic so far in camp and moving into the season is injuries galore, man. It was a buzzsaw this week. Some really high-end talent just went down. Out, coming out of the week, Man, it was a rough one. I'm just going to run down the list here. Uh, we got Shaquan Barkley, torn ACL, expected to be done for the year. Huge, huge blow. Yep. You probably drafted him third, possibly second. I, I mean, we talked about this uh, when I did my draft strategy of what choice I wanted. I went with three to not pick Barkley and go for Thomas. And holy moly, I would have picked him. I would have picked Shaquan Barkley. I could have had the number two spot and picked him. And I, my now I would have been disarray. Next up, we have Christian McCaffrey, CMC. He went down with a high ankle sprain, man. High ankle sprain is not looking good for people this year. He's out, I think, four to six weeks is kind of where they're throwing it out right now. But he's hoping to come back sooner. But that's the problem with these high ankle sprains. That's not good to do. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do on offense. Uh, he The offense revolves around him. But we talked about... Three years in a row, there's no way he can be the workhorse without getting injured this year. So I think we kind of expected it. I, I, it's crazy, man. We talked about it, but we did both say we would have drafted him. But here you go. It's it's coming to fruition. And they're relying on him, I think, even more this year without having Cam back there. So moving on, we got uh, Drew Locke from uh, the quarterback from Denver Broncos. Sprained AC joint. He's going to be out for somewhere four to seven weeks. It's, uh, adding injury to injury on that team. It's Cortland Sutton went down as well. He has a torn AC, uh, ACL and he's probably done for the season as well. So Denver is not looking good. I guess if you have a running back on that team, maybe they're going to start splitting duties up there or something. Uh, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver. So we're actually going to get in a little more of some waiver wire guys. These are just some names to throw out there, but we'll get into this a little more uh, later on. Next up, we got Jimmy Garoppolo as a high ankle sprain. He's expected to play through it, but never good when you got an injured quarterback. That that team I said before is uh, unquestionable to begin with. Now you got an injured quarterback. They're they're done as far as I'm concerned. I just they week two was such a a big injury bug for them. 
Well, and uh, another team doubling up on that of another high-profile player, Raheem Mosert, sprained MCL. Uh, probably going to be out for at least maybe a week or two. Uh, Telvin Coleman also went down with an injury. I forget what exactly it was, but so they're getting thin, real thin at running back. And Debo Sweeney was already out before the game started. Uh, yeah, they're, they're getting him with that bug, which it always feels like the Super Bowl loser always ends up getting a lot of this kind of black curse around them, black cloud around them. All right, moving on. Uh, this one's not as uh, super relevant, but uh, Isaac Sumala from the Eagles, the guard, he went down with a knee injury. Not sure how long he's going to be out. I just put this in because of Miles Sanders, and the Eagles are already not looking great. Uh, they, they've been up and down, but Miles Sanders was the only bright spot, really, this whole weekend for them. So you just question, can they keep that line up to protect him? So that's why I put that in there. Next, moving on, Paris Campbell, the Colts. He had a, blow, a breakout game last week. He's down with a knee injury, so, you know, how are they going to move forward? They already have Marlon Mack went down with the, uh, he's out for the season. So same thing. That team's kind of loading up a little bit on <laughs> skill position players. And next up is Will Fuller of uh, the Houston Texans with a hamstring. So, you know, I, I don't know what to say about the Texans. I mean, their wide receiver depth ain't great. They got rid of Hopkins. Now they don't have Will Fuller. I mean. But but is anybody surprised that Will Fuller is already injured? I mean. Well, he's the A.J. Green of the Houston Texans. Oh, for sure. The biggest surprise is that A.J. Green didn't get hurt this week. That was the big shocker. Yeah, he only got me four points, though, in the one league that I played him in. He's still shaking off the rust from missing practically the whole season last year. Yeah, we also forgot Devontae Adams, who apparently has a hamstring injury. Oh, all right. I missed that one. How about that? So, yeah, Devontae Adams was a little quiet, too. I think Actually, now I remember reading that he got hurt sometime during the game, but he still played, but that's why maybe he didn't have such a big game as last week. So... What do you think about all this? What is what is going through your mind when you heard about all these injuries going through? I mean, I started a, a notepad on my phone as soon as it started happening, and I started writing down all of the running backs and wide receivers and quarterbacks that I was going to pick up this week. All right, so I'm going to put all these names in the show notes for everybody so you have a good little reference guide to see who went down. You know what teams might be looking with certain positions. I would say don't also just look at the position that got hurt. Look at the team as a whole. Can they maybe like shift the load from wide receiver to a running back? Can they go vice versa from a running back to wide receiver? Will they throw the ball more? So there's all those things you can kind of look into, maybe trying to game the system a little bit. I think this less this short camp season really is starting to catch up with people already. Like these are big injuries, man. This is this is season changing injuries that happened in week two. Yeah, again, I think you're right about the preseason. We poo-pooed it and the fact that nobody enjoys it and it seems really silly, but getting up to game speed really seems important. There's so many tears and sprains going on right now that I think would have been avoided had they had a chance to ease back into it. Yeah, especially when you see a lot of hammy or those high ankle sprains. I agree. We'll get into some possible replacements for these players a little later, but first we're going to get back into our top five weekly position rankings. And next up on the board is wide receiver. So Alex, I'm going to let you take this one. Number five, Mike Evans, because Godwin was out, I think is the only reason that he put up the stat line that he put up. But, you know, he's still... One of the best wide receivers on that team. Number four, Terry McLaren from uh, the Washington football teams. He put up 22 points, which I don't think he'll do from week to week. So I think that's a pretty high value spot for him. This definitely puts him in the flex spot kind of position where hopefully you have him as your third receiver and keep him in there in the flex where you're okay if he doesn't do as great one week. But then he's there for when you need that blowout week and he can do that for you. Yep, number three is Julian Edelman with his most yards, I think, ever. I, 
I, I, 179 yards. Wow. Okay. I didn't even see this happening over the weekend. So this is news to me, but I was kind of flaky on Julian Edelman just because I thought the connection thing was one of the major factors there, but clearly he's still going out there and, you know, doing his thing. Yep. So Julian Edelman, um, his floor right now is like 10 and his ceiling is at 25. So that's someone that you should be eyeing for a trade. Um, and then uh, roll tide Calvin Ridley at number two. He's averaging 28 points per game now through two weeks. So for all those Julio Jones uh, owners out there, I'm sorry, man. You should have gotten Ridley. You should have waited. I told you, honorable mention, and you were big still on Julio. And I just, I said Calvin Ridley is just like, if there's a guy, I didn't expect him to have it this soon. But man, oh man, is he the new Julio. Yep. Number one, Stefan Diggs still being Stefan Diggs, even in Buffalo. You should have seen some of the catches I saw this weekend. You know, and this was one of those those players, too, that you saw all the experts and all the different sites kind of downplaying Stefan Diggs, saying, you know, it was the system in Minnesota. It was the people around him. He's going to be a headache or he's just not going to come to play each week, that kind of thing. And he's doing his thing, like you just said. And Josh Allen is finding him. So I know they played some subpar talent so far, but I don't think you do this without still having some talent and some high upside week to week. Yeah, his floor was 12, his ceiling is 28. Stefan's doing well. And I think that's about right. And I think you're averaging out around 17, 18 points with him on any given week. So I, I think he's a he's a definite number two and a possible number one on, on many, many leagues. All right, so let's move in then to the running back position here. And starting at number five, we have Kareem Hunt sighting, man. Whoo, breakout for Kareem Hunt this week with 23 points. Uh, he had 86 rushing yards, one touchdown, and then he had another uh, touchdown through the air and another 15 yards. So the two touchdowns really are what catapulted him up here. So, you know, I, I don't know what has going on between him and Chubb. I, I don't even see where Chubb is. Chubb got about the same points. He was around the same. So are they just going almost two running back sets here and just throwing out of the backfield a lot? That's pretty much it. Um, they pretty much use both of them. They both averaged 20 points this week, uh, essentially, because Chubb's above him at the number three spot, but only had five points in week one. So that's why you didn't see him, because he's not lower on the list. That's why I'm, I'm looking down. That's what I'm doing. I'm looking down lower on the list. I didn't go up. Uh-uh. He's above him. So Chubb actually did better than Hunt, even though you're, you're praising Hunt right now. I wouldn't want anybody else in Cleveland, uh, and I honestly wouldn't trust having these guys on my team, but if you've got to have one of them, I would rather have Hunt. Oh, really? You would have Hunt over Chubb? I, honestly, I'm surprised. It, if you look at the two weeks combined, um, Chubb had 10 attempts with only five points, um, and Hunt had 13 attempts with 10 points. Uh, but then week two, they both uh, actually Chubb doubled them in the attempts, but still Hunt had the better per yardage uh, per attempt. Per a, yes, so per attempt. Hunt is averaging more yards, so I would rather have Hunt for that reason, even if they're using Chubb more. You know, I thought about this, too, just in the drafting and stuff, like the Chubb, the Hunt thing. I was more worried about Chubb because I didn't know if there would be a lot of altering from Hunt, and it's kind of one of those things. Where does it go from here? I don't think this is sustainable to have a two-headed monster to do this in a backfield, and either it's going to be week to week, it's going to be one skyrocks, one drops, or one's going to take off, and again... You just don't know at this point. It's only week two. All right, so then at number four, we got Leonard Fournette. 
Uh, not great for me, but, you know, he's doing his Leonard Fournette thing, and they gave him the opportunity. Uh, Ronald Jones fumbled, it seemed, at one point, and they, they gave him the bench, and Leonard Fournette made the most of the rest of the carries along the way. Carolina defense looked terrible. That had nothing to do with Fournette looked slow. He looked sluggish. Carolina looked even slower. It just it didn't – it was not like, oh, my goodness, Adrian Peterson's back style running. It was like, huh, huh, huh. <laughs> Nobody caught me. All right. That makes me feel a little bit better that at least Ronald Jones can just be this, you know, steady, low ceiling, uh, low floor uh, RB2 for me, hopefully. That's good to hear. I'm glad that you actually watched that game and gave us some actual game insight. Moving on then uh, to number two, because with Chubbs number three, is Alvin Kamara doing his thing. Here, Here's the Alvin Kamara we expected to see from preseason. 30 points. So there's here's another... Um, Gosh, you know, I would say trade him for two wide receivers if you could, because he's got 33 points this week, 20 points last week. They played Tampa Bay. Um, he's pretty much the only offense right now. So, but, but then look at that. I mean, are, are you questioning then it's going to get harder from him going on out because people will focus on him? Or is this team just not doing well? They're going to figure a way to spread the ball around more. Right now, they don't know what they're doing, so they're giving it to Kamara. But they're going to have weeks now to go ahead and game plan without Thomas. They're clearly not using Sanders. Traycon Smith is the wide receiver to own uh, while Michael Thomas is out. But you trade him now while he's at his highest value. When, when Michael Thomas comes back and then you've got the, what they figured out for a game plan, Kamara's value will drop. So that's the only reason I say that. Okay, but here, let me play a little devil's advocate here, though. Like, in past seasons, they've had the same players. They've had Michael Thomas. They've had other wide receivers. And he was splitting the backfield with Mark Ingram. And it was still fine. Like, he still put up crazy points. And then he had Mark Ingram last year. And he then he put up even more points. So, like, I don't necessarily buy into that because they're going to still throw out of the backfield, I think, a lot. I think that's going to be a lot of probably. He had seven targets in, out of the backfield, 72 yards, seven receptions. So I think that's going to be a lot of the game, a lot of screen passes, that type of thing. I think Michael Thomas stretches the field more for him to allow him to do his thing. So actually, I think Michael Thomas coming back could actually still help or continue on what Alvin Kamara does. Half of those receiving yards were in the fourth quarter with like a minute left in the game, and it was just... Breeze and Alvin Kamara like throwing to each other. So well, yeah. I mean, that is a concern. Then they're going to start stocking the box and well, that kind I'm of thing. Well, I'm saying it wasn't as many receiving targets okay. as you see on paper. You're that we're talking about garbage time when they're down and they're not going to be down that often. Right, which then would mean they'd be running the ball. But that's not what Breeze does. Breeze tries to get three uh, uh, passing touchdowns to break records. All right, fair enough. I mean, I, I take a slightly different take, so but I do find that interesting, uh, insightful take what you got there on Alvin Kamara. But I don't disagree that if you are needing and help other positions, that he is a great time to flip right now because I think you would get good value from him. Coming in at number one here, we got Aaron Jones, man. Four, 43 friggin' yeah, man. points, man. 168 yards on the ground two touchdowns on the ground to add on to 68 yards to the air and another touchdown through the air. I mean, holy moly. He had an incredible over-the-shoulder catch that uh, he, he played lights out. Um, he's done this before. This isn't new. This is, I believe he was the number two running back at the end of the season as far as points were concerned. Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed that I didn't draft him. 
it's crazy. Here's now we're starting to see this, and we'll see that's how this shakes out longer, and that's what's great going through this whole top five each week. I never looked at the previous year's final tallies and matched that up against kind of what maybe this year will go. So I'm curious now to see once this year ends where Aaron Jones lands. You know how true it is formed is last year's final stats stick to the next year's stats. So it'll be interesting to kind of see this out because. Like you said, he was a top two final stat guy, and we both passed him by where he was there for the taking. So you see Aaron Jones keeping this up, though, week to week. You see him kind of being one top three running back now rest of the year. You know, I don't want to give him that sort of pressure because I feel like as soon as we sort of label guys the workhorse, it's their their demise. Um, so I think he's the same sort of like uh, Camara, where you kind of – I have the same sort of thought where if you can get – two amazing players for this one player because he's at the highest value that he's going to be. He's not going to get 43 points next week. He's not going to do it. So you like you can value this week. Obviously, you don't want to give him away unless you're getting two awesome players. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like, it does. I'm not saying it would, be, it would be very difficult to pull a trade right now if you own Aaron Jones. But if you can get two other people that are on that same similar level – that are sustainable, then and you have the depth, then why wouldn't you? Well, this is where you have to look at your league, and it depends on how your league drafted. Some people do this. They draft for trades almost, where they might just stock up on one position, knowing that they might be a little weaker somewhere else, and then they'll try to make a move. Like, And maybe you could find a deal there. That's what they're looking for. There's definitely people looking to make a move if you put them out there. But I'm not, I'm not labeling him like running back of the year yet. You know what I mean? But he did do this last year, like you said, though. He was a top point getter, so he's doing the same thing this year. That is our top five look back at this week, too. So interesting stuff. I saw CMC was still up there in, like, I think six or seven, even going out with that injury. So at least he got his owner some points before he went out. Yeah, it was great. I was up against him. It was wonderful. I just wanted to go through a quick recap of how you did this week in our LA Locals League. So I won this week. I won 128-85. to 85. I mean, the guy I played with just, he was a top point. Oh, I played the guy you played last week. He played really well last week. Everybody on his team just kind of really just crapped the bed. And it's kind of like what my team was last week where I felt like I had a lot of high upside guys and nobody did anything. And it was kind of inverse this week. And then he had those guys who were all pretty good guys, but they just didn't show up this week. So Good for me. I was happy. I was happy with how my guys kind of bounced back. Uh, it was a more balanced, even attack for my thing. My trades helped me out for sure, uh, especially because if I didn't make any moves, I would have had three of my starters on the bench and really in panic mode. But I made some moves to kind of fill that out. No real missed points on the bench. Uh, I kind of maxed out where I was supposed to be. So everything felt good. How about you? Yeah. I uh, played against the person who drafted first. He had Christian McCaffrey and Kyler Murray and... Terry McLaren, uh, and <laughs> James Conner, and Tyler Lockett, and the Chicago defense. So he scored the more most points out of anybody. Um, I actually scored more points than you and still lost. Um, I left Fournette on the bench, and I started Peyton Barber. So that was my biggest thanks for the invite. That's a tough one, though. I knew you were eyeing up Peyton Barber after we had a slight talk about him last week. It was a great – I thought it was a solid move, and if you're going to plug somebody in right after you get them, that's the week to do it. But who would have known Fournette would have had that kind of game? I mean, 
I, that's a tough one, man. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered. It, I still would have lost by 40 something points. Yeah, it, nothing when you it's the honestly those kind of games at least when you go up against like the top getter, there's nothing you can do especially if you're not going point for point. It made my Sunday so much more productive cuz I had known I'd already lost after the first set of games. Yeah, I I honestly like if I'm going to lose, I'd rather lose that way rather than a nail biter and lose by just like those few percentage points which you've been in many of those situations as well. Yeah. Which I did this Monday as well in another league. I lost by 0.4 points and because of Darren Waller. How'd you do in your other leagues then? How'd you balance out there? Oh, that is a great question. I'm 0-4 this week, so I'm 0-8 total. Oh my god, Alex. Alex, that is a shocker, honestly, coming from you. I can't believe... I'm wearing it well. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. I guess that's one way to look at it. No, I don't. I don't lose well. I'm not a very good loser. I'm a really good winner, but I'm a horrible loser. Oh man, you should have seen our Facebook chat group this week. Whew. It was a doozy. I ended up being one and one in my other two leagues that I'm in. So I am one and one in all of my leagues this week. I'm balancing back out. Every every game this week was a balanced either win or loss. My loss, I lost by I think three points. I I got all my points I could have. It was just one of those weeks. I went up another against another really good person in my other league. Won the Dynasty League. Miles Sanders coming back was a big help. He was a big plus. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it was a good, decent week. It gets me back at least on solid footing everywhere. I feel good where I'm at, at least for another week. So that gets us in then to the strategy talk of the week. And let's talk about this waiver wire bonanza that's going to happen, though. So we got a list compiled here. Thank you for the people at ESPN of who are some of the top people that are going to fill in the shoes for all those big injuries we talked about earlier in the segment. Let's start off with the biggest loss so far, and that's CMC for a few weeks. So Mike Davis is the next man up. Thoughts? Do you think this is just a good, you know, waiver wire flex pick? Do you think just move on? Don't spend a lot of money on him if you're in a fab league. What's, what's your feeling on this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think you, you spend some money on him. You don't spend... I don't think he is the number one waiver wire pickup, but like I wouldn't spend the bank on him because Christian McCaffrey will come back in six weeks and vulture that job back. So unless you're desperate and you've lost the first two weeks, um, you really don't have that big a reason to spend all your fab on Mike Davis. Yeah, absolutely make a bid. Yeah, maybe that's one of those things he's kind of maybe your plan B where you can might throw up some more money on somebody else, but then have that lined up in so. case that other one doesn't absolutely. go through. Going on to the next huge one, which almost in some regards is bigger because he's done for the season. That's Shaquan Barkley's out. So Dion Lewis, Wayne Gallman is up in New York. Or or do you think they pick up somebody like Devontae Freeman? Um, I think I don't want a Giants running back. <laughs> um, and I feel like it's going to be one of those things that everyone's going to spend all the money on Dion Lewis. And then Gallman's going to be the guy. Yeah, that's the worst part is when you got two guys who are possibly next up on the seat. And here's the other thing, too. The Giants weren't looking good even with Shaquan Barkley in there. Not Honestly, I'm not even making a play on any of these guys. I think that the Devontae Freeman idea of possibly getting picked up, maybe. What do you think about that idea? Just in general, even before he gets a team, would you put a flyer out on Devontae Freeman with all these running back injuries? Um, I mean, he's, he's owned by 7.5%. So apparently... That many people believe that you should go ahead and pick them up. So there's that answer. Yeah, I think it's worth a flyer. Maybe again, a plan B if you're just looking to have somebody that could have high upside and maybe you can get them a little cheap this week before you actually get picked up by a team. Uh, that's a guy. Next up, this. Uh, okay, so as good as I did with all my trades, I just 
freaking dropped the ball on this one. I dropped Daryl Henderson Jr. in the uh, in my couple waiver wire moves I was trying to make. And man, is that going to come back and bite me? Because I also made a move to get Benny Snell. I spent 20 bucks on him, and now he's relegated to backup status with almost no carries. So that's cool. Uh, so my fab money's already kind of uh, tight right now. So I'm going to maybe make a play. But again, it's the question of, is he going to be the guy going forward for weeks? Or is this just maybe, you know, each week it's a hot hand kind of thing? Yeah, they're they're going to do running back by committee. Whoever is uh, picking up momentum will be the running back. Akers has a rib injury, so I wouldn't put a lot of money on him. But um, between Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, from what I saw, Henderson passed the eye test. Agreed. Um, and Mal- Malcolm so Brown is I'm gonna make a, a We'll see if I can make a play on Daryl Henderson. I don't know if I'll have the money to do it, so it's a tough one. Uh, Let's. I'm going to run through some of these names because it's ridiculous that they're on the list because in our league they're not on the list. Uh, Marquez, Valdrick, Scantling, uh, or Lazard from Green Bay to replace Devontae Adams. Absolutely. If they're on your waiver wire, you should be picking them up. Um, Corey Davis, the fact that he's only – Owned in 27% of leagues is ridiculous. Uh, I missed out on him. I, I was a dollar short of Albie grabbing him off of me, and I he only had five. I was I was so annoyed because I was like, I could have had him. So I, I Yeah, I could have had him too. I was going to put down six. Uh, I forgot it was Friday. Yeah, I kind of, and I thought about going back and upping my bid for like a dollar or two, and then the same thing, I was just like, it got, it happened. And I was like, yeah, like I had gone over it that afternoon, and then like distance learning got in the way, and then I was like, ah, I'll do it later. And then I was on like a Zoom call at 11 o'clock at night, just like having fun, like, oh no, I was supposed to do something. I got a text from Chris. It's like, did you put your bids in? And I was like, oh, I didn't. And then I passed out. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's fantasy football life, man. We're just like everybody else, man. We miss out on it just for dumbass reasons as well. But he only got 11 points. He's only a flex right now. Um, yeah, I, here's the thing. I have a special connection to him because he's on a dynasty team, and I've had him for a couple of years, so I'm always rooting for him. So moving on, we got Jerrica Kinnon, so this could be a big upside here. Yeah, I think he's one of the ones that's not owned in our league that um, would still be available on the waiver wire that people should go after. Um, but Russell Gage is not uh, from for the Falcons. Again, I don't know. Or Gaskins. Uh, for Miami, Josh Kelly, who I drafted, Hardman, who was drafted in our league. I had him on my roster last week, and then I dropped him. It was like one of these just flopping around guys. I was just like, all right, let me throw a flyer on him. He didn't do anything. I dropped him. It was just all back and forth. It was one of those guys. Josh Kelly, is he still on your team? Yeah, he's still on my team. I'm going to start him now over Peyton Barber. Um, or I could even start him over Fournette, you know? Yeah, that might be the safer bet just because they have a new quarterback or a quarterback in there now because Tyrod Taylor went down, so they might be relying more on their running back there. They're all taken, except for Jordan Reed. He's still out there. Michael Eski, Janu Smith, and Jordan Reed. I mean, they might be available in decent amount of leagues. Our leagues, two of these guys are not, but I do think they could be a little bit more available. So if they are... Make plays on these guys. I'm more on Janano Smith than I am of the other two. Jordan Reed is just going to kind of be a flyer pick. You're going to pick up Jordan Reed. You're going to play him. He's going to get a concussion. Yeah, I had him in my dynasty for years. It was this touch and go every single week. It was was frustrating. So he'll probably frustrate you as well. Uh, Janu Smith, though, if he's available, that's the guy I think you should try to pick up. Yeah, so that's that's basically all the big ones based off of these major injuries that kind of happened this week. No, I, th- I thought we went through it as as we kind of agreed. We're, we're definitely going to have some crossover bids on these guys. Um, neither one of us are touching anyone from the Giants. Um, I'm going to put a bid down on Mike Davis because you have to. I don't. I'm not doing it thinking I'm going to win him though. You know what I mean? Like it's like a just in case 
everything else falls through or like you're saying people value other things better but i'm not putting a lot of stock in someone who i can only use for a month i will also post this article in the show notes so you have a reference guide if you're looking through it all right alex so do you have any other anything else that you had to throw in about your teams this week any sit start debates or anything else that was on your mind next week will be a better week Next week will be a better week, Alex. We'll get you all. Hopefully, you'll get off the snide here and get your first W of the season. I got to be honest. Like it really, it really is getting harder and harder to like keep in it week after week when you lose as much as I'm losing. I'm not used to losing this much. Well, Alex is a competitive guy. He is a he is not a good loser. And we also have 12 teams this year. So the waiver wire is even that much thinner to try to bounce back. It's not even the waiver wire. I have the points. They're on my bench. This week I couldn't have done anything. So I'm not upset about that. But like I look at my team and and this is another product of doing too much too soon where I actually did such a good job drafting. I didn't need to go out and get Peyton Barber. I would have been better off not again. Still would have lost. Would not have changed the outcome. But I should have trusted my gut. I agree with that. And you and I seem to be flipping strategies over the past two seasons because I've been much, much more aggressive on the waiver wire and in these trades, which, I mean, a week two trade for me is unheard of. And I really just try to put it all out there this week to, as they say, make lemonade out of lemon. That's what it is. But, you know, it's, it's nice. You get that rush of dopamine when you make a trade or you, you get that new player, that, that new player smell on your team that Wednesday morning when you've woken it up and you're taking your morning BM and you're just, oh, you're so excited. It, it was. It felt good this week. So I'm, I'm going to just enjoy it and now starting tomorrow, move on to the next week and try to still make some moves because my team is by no means finished and still needs a lot of improvement. Uh, so that is the next part up of the season is uh, getting some depth in here. Sounds good. What else do we need to talk about? We want to plug our Instagram channel? Yeah, where can people re- reach us at, Alex? We can find us at Fantasy Football Wins on Instagram. Where can they find you? They can find me at Jay Stravs on Twitter. And Alex, where can they find you for outside of fantasy football and all your amusings that you do? Yeah, you go to, you download TikTok. You can find me at Alex Laughs and you can find some stuff to laugh at. And the good news is, at least for the foreseeable future, TikTok is sticking around. So that is where Alex will be making all of his funny skits. They really are pretty good. And he sometimes gets into some uh, TikTok views, which are always fun as well. So if you're looking for some good, easy enjoyment in bite-sized chunks, check out Alex on TikTok. Yep, seven seconds or or less. That's that's what I like to do there. It's very Vine-esque. Very good, very good. All right, Alex. Well, on to better weeks. Has to be. Only up from here. Only up from here. All right, man. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a good week. Later, man. I don't know if you heard. I made a trade. I actually made two trades this past week. Let's talk about them. What what was the first trade? So the first trade was sending Michael Thomas for... Chris Carson and Malcolm Brown. I also had to throw in 15 fab bucks, which is our spendy dollars for a waiver wire in order to seal the deal. Right. And you had to do that because he overspent $37 on his he fab. Did. And he we went back and forth on back. a couple machinations of how this trade would work. And I was big on grabbing Brown or Nine of Hines, but he wanted money thrown in. Well, actually, I was asking for money when I originally proposed also asking for Malcolm Brown and some fab myself. Anyway, I decided to give in to that because I really wanted to get 
a running back included in the trade because he originally offered me straight up Chris Carson for Michael Thomas, which I was never going to do. I wasn't just giving up a straight off trade like that. Uh, he was fully aware that Michael Thomas has the. Why wouldn't you do that? Why, why wouldn't you do that though? Why wouldn't you give away a number one wide receiver for uh, a really good running back? I don't have as much depth of wide receiver as I would like to. And Michael Thomas's upside is much more than Chris Carson's upside. Plus, so you're saying that Michael Thomas, his value is so much higher than Chris Carson's that you had to think of some other way. Yes, to, but um, one of the main reasons was I wanted another running back in the deal because I was having plans to flip that second running back. That was more the reason why I did it. And that's why I would have walked away from the deal if I wasn't sure, planning a sure. second deal. I would have walked away. But but you're telling me that his running back did not equal the value of your wide receiver. It was it was a lesser uh, amount, correct? I mean, Chris Carson's is a really good running back, but it still wasn't enough to give away a number one wide receiver. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's, I, mean I was debating that too. I was like, well, because here's the thing is, it's like Michael Thomas, how long is he going to be out? One of the things is though, Michael Thomas getting rid of him I've started to quickly sour on it because of the injury. That's a lagging, a nagging injury for all it could be, especially if he tries to come back too soon. I am already questioning whether Drew Brees is going to have a full season in him uh, and at the elite level that he's had in the past. So I was starting to question that. I was just trying to see what I could pull else out of the trade because I was hoping to flip another uh, player in a different trade that we'll get to in a second. Sure, and I, I agree that you, he needed to... A- give you somebody else in order to value that wide receiver since it's such a, a valuable spot in our league because there's four spots that you can fill with Correct. And then, I mean, like if in other circumstances, I might have accepted more fab money from him instead of a player, but I, I needed an extra player to then turn yeah. around. That was the whole point honestly, of the trade. I think five fab honestly, I think five fab dollars plus Michael Thomas would have been uh, sufficient. So I think you overpaid on the fab amount, but... But I think yeah, that's I absolutely a fair paid, overpaid on the fab deal. Part of it was I didn't want it to break down because we were going back and forth, and it gets to a point where how much do I want this to go through? And then if I keep pushing, will he then just go forget this? It's not worth it. So I just went along with the deal. Uh, so, basically so basically, you took away Chris Carson's from Jake, which we talked about the week before. He already had four, you know, top twenty running backs. So that's a good good thing for you. You got points for that. And he, you gave him a wide receiver that wasn't playing. So he got zero points. So as far as the swing of week one of that trade, you won that uh, trade. Yeah, I guess in value points. Just value points. It was a fair trade to be had. But if you're looking at statistically, you're in the lead right now as far as the trade is concerned. Well, yeah. But I mean, like we knew that going into it because he took that. He came to me with the trade too. I didn't even go to him. He came to me with that offer. Uh, so that's when my wheel started turning and that's when I was started trying to pull out a second running back out of him, made this deal. So then I turned around and I went to this other, uh, owner who had Dion, who has no idea what he's doing. I did see that. Well, he's not as smart of a guy. That, that's why, that's okay, why no, you chose, I chose him. him because he had Deandre Hopkins, Deandre Hopkins. I've been eyeing up. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So, let's move on. So, so your so trade, with, trade him with him is, is I traded George Kittle and Malcolm Brown for DeAndre Hopkins and Hayden Hurst, the tight end of. Okay, now pause, pause. Kittle is injured, but he wasn't he wasn't ruled out yet. But he was injured. Like we knew we knew he got injured in the game before, but he wasn't ruled out for several weeks, like he was 
after the trade went through. So his value is still iffy. Malcolm Brown, a waiver wire running back who had to be thrown in just to incentivize the Michael Thomas trade, who was $37 on the, the fab market. Go ahead. Uh, those two. Kittle, so Kittle Malcolm Brown. You traded Kittle away, uh, plus Malcolm Brown. And again, one was injured, and one was a uh, low-level tier uh, wi- uh, waiver wire running back. See, if I do remember from last week's episode, I do believe you said Malcolm Brown is their starting running back. Mm. Yes, that you picked up off the waiver he wire. He didn't pick him up off the waiver wire. He already had him. He didn't. He picked up Niall Hines for $37 off the waiver wire. Okay, so he's got a, a low-end running back that is in a three-headed monster right now with Cam Akers, uh, yeah. himself and yeah. Henderson. Yeah, that guy that Henderson you couldn't Jr. remember. And yeah. when I brought him up to you because so, he was on my team last week, you were like, Oh, he did great. He did great last week. He was actually the running back. You probably, uh, would have rather had than Malcolm Brown. Okay. But let's back up though. I asked you about Daryl Henderson last week and you said, who, I don't even know who he is. Malcolm Brown is the guy on that team now. And so then that so that that's one of my points is that you even thought that Malcolm Brown was the starting running back and the guy to beat on the Rams backfield. And clearly I was greatly mistaken. That's that wasn't true. Um, Cam Akers uh, was supposed to be the starting running back the first week and they gave it to Malcolm Brown. So now Malcolm Brown is supposedly the starting running back and they gave it to Henderson. So then next week. Well, actually, what happened was Malcolm Brown and Akers also both had some sort of injuries they, they sustained in the game, which is why they then kept feeding it to Daryl Henderson. Oh, so you're saying Henderson wasn't even on the, the register until the, the game play, yes. the game script. I ended actually. up dropping Daryl Henderson. So this is one of my regrets of the week is I dropped Daryl Henderson. But 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 Malcolm Brown is a three in a three headed monster. Uh, sure, agree but you don't know that. He, there are three yeah, running no backs could that could get the ball at any given moment. Okay, so he's the three-headed running yeah. back by committee running back. Got it. Kittle, who's injured and is a tight end, who was very valuable, go ahead, was traded for uh, Hayden Hurst, who is also a tight end, who's very valuable on the Falcons, I believe. Uh, so he's going to get a lot of red zone targets. Who had a terrible week one, but he had a lot of terrible week one. He's still like a top seven tight end. But he didn't show it in week and one. And he's though. playing. and But it doesn't matter. Neither did Kittle. Kittle only got like two points. Right, one. but Kittle has Kittle only a track got like two points. Hayden Hurst doesn't. Does it, that's, that's not, that doesn't matter. This year he does not. And this year, without preseason games, he only has zero points before week one. Now he's got three points all the way through week three. Right, but again, it's the same thing that Jake made the play for Michael Thomas is with the hope down the stretch that he'll come back and be Michael Thomas and I think so. My way, the way I view the here's the way I view the trade. Oh, agree, I, I agree. Jake got zero points out of that deal too. Right, exactly. So it's it's a long term play that you're going to have the upside because he's so strong at running back already. He's trading his strength for my strength. And Jake lost this week, by the way. I know he did, and he lost by a lot. But again, his other running backs that he actually had that were broke out like crazy last week were pretty tame this week. So that's just fantasy football. Also, with, with Jason, with the Bombers, who I made this trade for DeAndre Hopkins, it's not a terrible trade in the sense that if you look at it, it was trading a strength, my strength, for his strength. He is so deep at wide receiver, he's getting a top tight end. You wouldn't give away Michael Thomas for one running back, and you want to tell me that you would give away DeAndre Hopkins for one but running back. But it's not back. one running back. You away for the, tight, the top tight end. You gave, you gave Kittle away for Hurst. That, that almost cancels itself out. All right, well, here, back up a second, though. So here was the original deal I was about to offer 
to Bombers. I was going to offer him Kittle and Malcolm Brown for DeAndre Hopkins straight up, and that it's it. When I was looking at his roster, I was like, okay, I was like, actually, I'm going to be short on a tight end. Maybe I'll just throw in the tight end, and his tight end didn't play well. Oh, he could have potential, so I'll just throw him in and just see what he says because I was figuring, all right, also go higher. Throw in another player so that if he counters, he'll be like, I can't do that deal. Then I would take Hurst out, and then we're back to what my original trade I wanted to do, which was Kittle and Brown. You wouldn't give away Michael Thomas for Chris Carson. So you can't you can't tell me that you would give away DeAndre Hopkins for Malcolm okay. Brown. You're you're missing the point here though. But you're missing you're missing the point that it's not an even trade. That Kittle and Hurst almost balance each other out in the fact that they're top tier tight ends and Kittle hasn't even played well this year. Okay, but the thing is, here's the problem with the deal is that he didn't counter. I offered him that was the first offer I gave him. He didn't come back and counter. That doesn't make it fair. Just because he doesn't counter doesn't mean that it's a fair trade. But in the moment before week two, that doesn't seem like an absolutely terrible trade. Hayden Hurst, he, it's value value wise, value wise, it's off by like a hundred points, my friend. I see it. Look it up. Go into Google. Find any trade analysis, anyone. Click on four or five of them. I guarantee you. But I don't think that it's when you're looking out at week one, and you're looking at the running backs that he has. He doesn't have anybody. The value in having a possible number one running back with the Rams that he left on the bench because he was such a valuable running back. Well, who am I supposed to do with what he ends up starting from what trade he gets? If you gave him Christian McCaffrey, he wouldn't have him on the bench. And you know that that's, that's him. He also started. If you gave, if he had Christian McCaffrey, if you traded him Christian McCaffrey, but he he would not have left him on his bench. was already ruled out. So where's that? Because you took his other tight end. But why didn't he go out and go get a tight end just to fill in the spot? That's on him. But that has nothing to do with whether or not the trade is fair. But okay, but I'm going into week two. Before week two started, it wasn't that kind of trade. It was a more even trade. The reason he lost was because he didn't pick up a new tight end. That doesn't mean the trade was fair. You trade raped him, and now you're sitting here and you're trying to tell me that, oh, hype-wise, because Kittle did so good last year that uh, he's, his value is exactly the same, even though he's injured. The, he didn't do anything week one. You know he's injured. So you know San Francisco. You said it from the beginning. You didn't trust their, their air game at all this year. You said, I'm pretty sure they're going to be running most of the time because I don't think Garoppolo can throw the ball. Yeah, but so what? That still doesn't mean that he's not a top tight end. That's that's tearing down his that's tearing down his value right there. You you admitted in the very beginning that you didn't think Kittle was going to do as well as he did last year. So you know this. It's just a matter of you convincing yourself to trade his fair. But my point is that going into week two, it's still not. And honestly, Kittle could come back and have monster games like he still could. They're, they're now hurting at running back, so they might have to throw the ball more. You wouldn't give away Michael Thomas for Chris Carson. So I know you wouldn't give away Hopkins for Chris Thomas. So there's no way you would accept Malcolm Brown for Hopkins. See, but I'm looking at more, this was a Kittle for Hopkins thing, throwing in Malcolm Brown to give him some extra incentive with a high, a possible big running back that would give him depth at running back when he had none. He had absolutely nothing. Going into week one, he had to make some kind of move and he ended up getting James Robinson for Jackson. Again, you're talking about his own team. This is about the fairness of the trade. This is about you telling me that the value of an injured Kittle and a three-headed monster running back is the same as a number one wide receiver and a number seven a tight end. 
But I didn't know that even about Hayden Hurst. I, he wasn't even on my radar. I just was like, all right, let me ask for him and there's some upside. And if he does good, then good for me. Your own ignorance does not make the trade fair. But you're seeing it after the fact that the trade, after week two, all of a sudden you're adding up all the points. But I, I came up, all of this stuff was before the game started. All of these things that you're hearing were all of the stuff you saw on the Facebook page before these games were played. So I, I started I started adding it up once Hopkins got into the game. Once the ga first games were over, that's when I even did the value of the fact that Malcolm Brown got 4.7 points and your team got 32.5 points this week. And that's just the first week of the trade. And again, I, I'm not saying that denotes the fairness. That's showing you the proof that it's not fair. See, but then you could still say then I trade rape Jake, Jake then as well. I may also believe that. That may also be true. I'm not I'm not saying that's that's what I was saying at the beginning when I said he got zero points and you got X amount of points right now. Right, but then that's not a but it's not a like that's the point though for me is that it's not a I, I agree. You're supposed to get the better end of the deal. Just admit to me that you got the better end of the deal and then it wasn't a fair trade and we can move on. If you can admit to me that you did a better job trading than both of those people and that it wasn't a fair trade between you and Jason, I'll drop it because I agree. I love being on those end of the trades, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you. I see what I, I tracked it as the same logic Jake gave you is the tra logic that I had going in with the deal with Jason. That's just your justification for an unfair trade, though. That's just your own eyes, what you're going to tell other people. You know good and well you got, after that trade went through, you were thrilled with dish. Oh, absolutely. I'm thrilled. I'm, I know I won the trade. I'm not saying I won the trade. I just don't think I trade rate them. I won the trade. I told you that yesterday. I think I won the trade. Clearly. Like, I don't doubt that I won the trade. But I don't... To me, a bad trade is when I, if I would have offered him. Who do you think is a better tight end, Goddard or Kittle? Kittle. Who do you think is going to score more points this year? Uh, probably Kittle. All right. Well, well, I'd like to hold you to that bold prediction. Okay. Because I, I, I think Goddard is going to be a better tight end this year. And you weren't upset with getting rid of Kittle because you had this gold tight end. Had, had nothing to do with Hurst. Yeah, I know. But there's also a risk. But there's still a risk even with going with Goddard. Like, after I did the deal, I'm like, ugh. And then Goddard didn't have a great game this past week. And the Eagles... Did he get zero points? He got, like, three points. So it was three points better than Kittle. Okay, but... I... You got three more points because you put Goddard in instead of putting Kittle in. But I don't see how that... May... What does that mean to any of this? That means Goddard has the higher value is what that means to you. Okay, but... I See, the thing is, though, if you're talking about an injured player that's when people are looking maybe to make some moves with him and trade for him. Jay came to me looking for Michael Thomas, knowing well that he could be out. Of, I said to him, I was like, he could be up to, I said, it's looking like three weeks right now as all reports are saying he's going to be out for three weeks. This is why he wasn't, didn't want to give up anything extra. And that's why he then had to squeeze me to give him fab money to throw in another running back. You're, you're not making your case better by saying you gave away an injured number one tight end for two running backs, my friend. You gave up Michael Thomas, who was injured, an injured number one running uh, wide receiver, for two running backs. So you're telling me that Hopkins, a number one wide receiver who is not injured, is the same value as Malcolm Brown and a little bit of Kittle? There's no way that's true. See, I think it's more of, again, Kittle to Hopkins 
the Malcolm Brown was supposed to be a balancing out to give him some depth at running back. But you wouldn't you wouldn't give away you wouldn't give away Hopkins for Kittle. You would need more incentive. Right. This is why I was throwing in Malcolm Brown and then I added in Hayden Hurst. But then you took Hurst. So Hurst and Brown, that's what I'm saying, my friend. Both of those two balance each other out. You're looking at a one-to-one because you threw somebody else in. But then I won because I took Hayden Hurst. Then I say Kittle and Hopkins balance each other out. You, if, you, if you remove Hayden Hurst from this trade, it is a fair trade. It's a fair trade. I added Hayden Hurst in there. Not necessarily expect, but, but it's that's, not, that's it's not what rape. makes it's it the rape, rape part that's of That's the thing. It's just, that's I, that makes me that's get the, one, win the trade then. You took his backup tight end. His backup tight end. Exactly. That he didn't need. That you, that you said he doesn't need it, so I'll take him. But that just brings up the value to where it's no longer a fair trade. Okay, but I'm not saying, I didn't say that I didn't win the trade. Me getting the Hayden Hurst makes me win that trade. I think if I did Kittle and Brown for Hopkins, it's a pretty clean wash yes, of the trade. Yes, that's exactly it. That makes it the fair that, trade. That, the thing is, you, though, I don't you. think it gets to the you. level that I raped him. Though. Thank you. That's what no, I'm trying to it's say. It's not about yes, the degree of rapage. Yes, there you, is. You just admitted to me. You did it. You did what, all I needed you to hear. That's it. I got it. Thank you. That's all I needed to hear. You admitted, See, there's a you admitted that it was a fair trade without Hurst. But it's not an unfair trade, even with Hurst. It's just that it gives me the bigger win in the trade. Like, I win the deal. If it goes, like, every trade doesn't have to be this clean. So the balance is in your favor. That's not what, equal- that's not what equality is. That's not fair. So what? That, but that's, but it doesn't, see, that's, uh, here's the deal. When people are making trades in fantasy football, some people value different things. Or they're looking at different upsides in different holes. Just because the trade doesn't look like it's fair on by your perspective doesn't mean that the trade is not an okay trade to allow to happen. If I offered him Sterling Shark, Sterling Sharp, it and was. Malcolm Brown, and who else is on my bench? Michael Pittman for DeAndre Hopkins, then no, that's a terrible trade. That is a trade that should get flagged 100%. But if I'm giving up a number one tight end and who's injured and only has two points on the season. So what? I mean, look at uh, who else was on my team. I mean, uh, AJ Brown, he has like four points on the season and he got hurt. So what? Does that mean AJ Brown's not like a, qual- a bona fide wide receiver? No, it means that you would need two running backs in order to get him to give him away. You would ask for two running backs to give them away because you value wide receivers so much higher than you do other positions. See, but that's why I would never be able to pull out two wide, two running backs for AJ Brown. That, but that's how you value wide receivers. That's okay, but that's fine. But this is my point: is that these trades happen, and people win trades more than other trades are more, maybe more balanced. So what? This wasn't me just offering him some garbage and him taking it because I talked up like three players that he doesn't do his research for. This was trading a number one and a guy who just came off a monster week as one of the top three running backs in football and trading him to give him in two positions that he's not as strong at. And from a position of strength for him. His wide receivers are top. He has a great depth at wide receiver. He's still almost won. That's how strong his team is. So to say the guy doesn't completely, he turned down Jake Owen, Chris Carson for uh, DeAndre Hopkins straight up. So because he doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe he got, but all right. Well, I mean, how is that fun? 
How is it fun to have a guy in the league that doesn't know what they're doing? How is that fun? He should have beat Albie. Anybody else with his team would have beaten Albie. But because he is who he is and he didn't pick anybody up and doesn't seem to care in a money league, that's a lot of fun for everyone. Well, I mean, he was somebody I talked to you about this beforehand when we were talking about expanding the league that I didn't think we should let him back in. But listen, the guy, he at least made moves. Like, I I don't know. I just don't think that it was as terrible as you're making it out to be. Did I win the trade? Sure. I won the trade. No, you admitted it. You admitted that without Hurst in the trade, it's a fair trade. You actually called it a wash. And and no one really wants a wash. They want to win the deal. And you won the deal. And you admitted that. And that's it. That's But we could have anybody else who's listening to this 20-minute rant chime in and tell us who's right and who's wrong. And that would end this argument. 